Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're finally crossing over into chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9 this morning as we prepare for the things that God may want to be saying to us individually as well as a congregation. So let's read the word. Verse 1, and he called the twelve together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics or don't have more than the clothes on your back. In whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John, meaning John the Baptist, had been raised from the dead. Others were saying that Elijah had appeared. And others were saying that one of the prophets of old had risen. But Herod said, John, I beheaded. That's how he got killed. But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Okay, I kind of feel like this morning as we begin the message that I need to set up a couple of things before we actually get into the meat of the message. So I'm going to begin that right now. And the first thing that I want to set up, I want to give you some definitions. There are two words in particular that I think that you need to know about as we move forward. And those two words are descriptive and prescriptive. Descriptive, descriptive, I could say, and prescriptive. What do we mean when we talk about something being descriptive? Well, basically when something is descriptive, it is a record. It's all about a record of what happened. Simply recording, this is what took place. All right? That's when something is descriptive. When it's prescriptive, it's all about instructions. It's all about how something is intended to happen from that point forward uh, and forevermore, unless superseded by something else. So, descriptive, prescriptive. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, chapter 19, verse 6, we find in these passages that they record three times, three separate times, when believers receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and it was that that became the evidence that they had received Jesus Christ. And to show forth that they had received the Spirit, they spoke in tongues. All right? That's what you find in those three passages. Now listen carefully. If those passages are prescriptive, then it would mean that speaking in tongues, speaking in languages that we do not know, would continue to be the evidence that you 
are spirit-filled, that you have spirit fullness in you. And so that would be the experience that all of us would need to have to show that we have the Spirit of God. And why is that so important? Because if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't have Christ. And so that would be very important. However, when we study these passages, we discover that they are descriptive. They're not prescriptive. They record simply what happened when three groups of believers received the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the church age. And that specific manifestation of tongues as an evidence of spirit fullness ended after that time. You basically find no other mention of it again as you move forward into the New Testament. But when we come to Galatians chapter 5 verses 20 through 24, we find there something very important as it relates to evidence that you have the Spirit of God in you and it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And the way that we know that someone has the Spirit of God, and thus Christ, is that we find the fruit of the Spirit growing in them and being expressed in their life. And so uh, at this point, uh, the fruit of the Spirit being born out in the life of a Christ follower is the prescriptive evidence of spirit fullness. And that will continue to be the prescriptive evidence uh, until Christ comes, as far as I can see in the Scripture. So I I, I go through all that to bring this to your mind, okay? Listen carefully now. I might have just numbed you to listening, so listen carefully. As we read the Bible, when you're reading it at home, when we come to the church and read it together, we must ask when we're reading a text, is this text describing something that happened? Or is it prescribing a way that something is to be done? To get those two backwards can really cause a lot of problems. Can you see that? If it's only describing something and we're trying to put it into play as though it's something we're commanded to do, it could really become a real issue. And so we want to ask that. So when we come to today's text, the one that we just read together, today's text is descriptive. It is descriptive. It records a specific occasion, and what Jesus did is he was training the disciples for their ultimate assignment. And what that means is this, is that what we see in the text there, at least as it relates to Jesus' words to the disciples, is that we cannot take what we see there and then apply that across the board to all disciples. It wasn't meant for all disciples. In other words, it wasn't meant to communicate that when we are sent out, we're to take nothing with us. We're just to go bare, right? That's not what applies to us today. Uh, And so um, we understand then that this passage is is just a part of the original disciples' training, but not prescribed as the way that all disciples are to go forth. All right, you got that? The second thing that I want to make sure we understand, or not that I want to make sure we understand, but I want to just make sure that you know about this, it has to do with identity. In this passage, we see a a, a person identified as Herod, but no other identification is made. I want you to know who this Herod is. Even though it's not really that important today, I'm going to share it because when we get to chapter, when we get to verse 19, it will become important. And uh, it's in our reading for today, so I want you to know uh, who this is. So the Herod of this passage is Herod Antipas. 
Herod Antipas. He is the son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the ruler over the Galilee region when Jesus was born. So when we go back and we read those passages in the gospel about the Christmas story and we see how Herod wanted the wise men to come and tell him this and that and the other and then later on he ordered the the murder of of thousands and thousands of little children. Uh, That was Herod the Great. This person here being mentioned in this aspect is his son Antipas. A couple things about Antipas. Number one, he he ruled Galilee, the Galilee region from Jesus' childhood all the way through to his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. So he continued on even a little bit after Jesus went back to heaven. Antipas is the one who imprisoned and executed John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus. We remember that as we went through the beginning chapters of Luke. Also, Antipas is the ruler that Pilate sent Jesus to before Pilate decided to have Jesus crucified. And we find that Herod Antipas tried to interview Jesus and he wanted Jesus to ask, answer questions about his alleged crimes, but the Bible tells us that he never opened his mouth. He would not respond. And so Herod Antipas, who we find at the end of our reading today, wanted to see Jesus and wanted to know more about him, got nothing because Jesus would not answer his questions. So those are a couple of things that I wanted just to give to you in order to set up today's message and then the one in two weeks. So we come now to the actual message that I want to preach today, and I'll begin with this question. What is the verse of Scripture that represents the Awana ministry. Somebody tell me what that is. And it would be a shame. We've had Awana in this church for how many decades? Surely someone knows what scripture represents the foundation of the Awana ministry. Does anybody know? That is correct. Thank you, Linda. Is Linda the only one that knows that? Well, thank you, Linda. I appreciate you sharing that. And what does 2 Timothy 2.15 say? It says this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, I share that with you this morning because it's important that we understand that if we're going to interpret Scripture correctly, then then when we come to a passage, we must examine it and understand it in its context. And when we speak about the context of of Scripture, we're generally talking about the things that came before that passage and the things that come after. You can't just take a passage and pull it out like a drawer and a set of, uh, 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 what do you call that? Yes, you know what I'm talking about. You can't just go to the middle and pull it out and expect you're going to understand what that's all about. You've got to go up a little bit and see what, what, what led up to this and then where it's going after that. That's understanding Scripture in its context. But... Sometimes the immediate context, the immediate context of a passage is not enough to give us the full picture of what's going on. Sometimes we've got to look at a passage in the context of the entire book in which it uh, appears. And for the passage that we're looking at today, obviously it is the Gospel of Luke. 
And we don't have time for me to carry you through all that. So you're just going to have to take what I say today. And then if you want to research it, you're certainly welcome to do so. But when we look at the passage that we just read this morning, in the context of the gospel of Luke, we find that it communicates something to us very important as it relates to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that leads me then to truth point number one, which will communicate to us what that important truth is. Truth point number one tells us this morning that the purpose of discipleship is to transform a believer in the likeness of Christ Jesus so that they can join Jesus in his mission of making disciples. The passage we have read this morning, when you take it in context from the beginning of Luke and on past into more of the gospel of Luke, you find that the things we read there are all about the purpose of discipleship. And the purpose of discipleship is to help a believer be transformed, to be able to reflect more and more the image of Christ. And the purpose of that is so that they can join Jesus in his mission of making disciples. You know, that is something we often do not see because most of the time when we come to the Bible, most of the time when I come up here to preach, we're looking at the specific details of one or two or three verses. And when you get all consumed in the details, you often don't step back to see the bigger picture. You just are consumed with what's in front of you. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.